Today on Let the Bible Speak. The Church of Christ is a collection of people, but who are those people? Today we continue our series about the Church of the New Testament by looking at its membership. And good morning. Welcome to Let the Bible Speak. We're a bit of series about the church as it is described in the New Testament. So far we've learned about its divine origin, its form, and last week we talked about the type of organization and government the Lord gave it. Well today we want to look at its membership. What constitutes a member of the church? How do you become a member of the church of the New Testament? Who does Christ consider a member of His church? Well, the only place we can find the correct answers to those questions ultimately is the scriptures. Humanly devised creeds may describe members of a denomination as one thing, but the scriptures may describe members of Christ's church as something entirely different. Well, we defer to the scriptures in this matter as we should in every matter. Let's begin today with our scripture text found in Ephesians chapter 2, beginning in the 19th verse. Here the apostle Paul writes, Now therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. Here Paul describes the household of God, which he defines in 1 Timothy 3 verse 15 as the church, he defines it as a spiritual structure made up of people. It is not a building or physical temple or structure as we've already learned in our series. And it's not even a club, society, or human organization such as people seek membership in within the community. Rather, it's a spiritual organization of people. Each person makes up a living stone in this spiritual house built upon Christ and His apostles and prophets who revealed it and govern it yet today through their sacredly inspired writings. But what makes one a member of this household? Can anyone be a member? And how do they become a member? We're going to look at several descriptions given in the New Testament of those who make up the church and learn how you and I can know we are numbered among it. And we'll return with today's study the membership of the New Testament church after a song from the congregation.
The Church of the Lord Jesus Christ is the greatest institution in all of the world. Yes, that's an incredible and, well, even ridiculous statement to worldly-minded people, but in the eyes of God, it's absolutely true, and Christians should share that sentiment. It's not the numeric size of the church that makes it the greatest, for even the Bible admits that the way to the kingdom is narrow and relatively few will find it, Matthew 7, verse 14. It's not the political power or influence of the church that makes it the greatest because, well, the church is not a political organization, nor did the church of the New Testament seem to concern itself with the inner workings of the kingdoms of men, John 18, verse 36. Uh, It's not the monetary value of the church that makes it supreme because the message of the church tends to attract the poor and lowlier of society and not the rich and elite, according to Paul in 1 Corinthians 1, verse 26. Nor is the nationality or ethnicity of the church what makes it the greatest because, well, first, God is no respecter of persons and He values men and women of all colors and ethnic backgrounds the same. And second, His church is made up of people from every color, every nation, and every ethnic and socioeconomic background around the globe. The church is superior to all other institutions because, first of all, it is Christ. God planned it. Christ established it, the Holy Spirit of God revealed it, and the divine three indwell it and work through it. It has the greatest message in all the world, the Lordship of Jesus Christ and the salvation He offers to all who will believe and obey the gospel. And it does more to make the world a better place because it is the salt of the earth and the light of the world. And that's because of the power of the gospel which transforms the character of people to make them like the wonderful Christ. And it has the greatest future of any institution, even though the world often predicts its demise and doom and the powers of evil are always looking to destroy it. It has withstood the satanic assaults of 2,000 years and Jesus promised that it would remain until He comes again and takes her to heaven. You will never become part of any other organization that possesses those qualities. I might add churches, which are the product of the teachings and practices of men, are inferior to the Lord's church as well. Jesus said, Every plant which my heavenly Father has not planted will be rooted up. Matthew 15, verse 13. And the psalmist said, Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Psalm 127 and verse 1. Now with that in mind, it is a sacred and exclusive privilege to be part of God's society, the church. Well, Who are the members of this church as it is described in the New Testament? What makes them members of it? How did they become members of it? And how can you become part of it? Well, it is possible to consider yourself a member of the Lord's church and not really be a member. Some are under the illusion that they hold membership in the church of the New Testament when really that's not the case because, well, they don't meet the requirements of membership and the Lord has not registered them as a member of it. By requirements, I I mean nothing related to money or societal position, self-worth, good deeds, or any such thing. But rather, I'm talking about the scriptural requirements described in the Word of God. And by being registered, I'm not talking about a roll or piece of paper on earth, but rather God's book in heaven, as the Hebrew writer referred to it in Hebrews 12 and verse 23. You see, that's what we need to be concerned about. That's the standard, that's the measuring stick, that's the divine record. Now let me first say that one is not a member of the church because, well, he or she claims to be. 
You don't self-identify as part of the church and therefore God sees you as numbered among it, nor should the church itself consider such a person part of their number. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 2 and verse 19 that the Lord knows those who are His, but that doesn't mean that the church is some mysterious and secret society because God has described who the members of His church are and how they became part of it. There's a door to the church, and Jesus said He is that door, and if a person enters by Him, he will be saved, John chapter 10 and verse 9. Well, Christ is the door to the sheepfold, and there is a way to enter that door and if we have not done so, the fact is we're still outside, regardless of whether we claim we're inside or not. Second, one is not a member of the church by birth. In other words, being born physically into a family of Christians doesn't make you a Christian. As others have said, you could be born in a garage, but that doesn't make you an automobile. Third, one is not a member of the New Testament church by pedigree. It does not matter what lineage you descend from or what nation you're a citizen of, what color your skin is, or what part of society you may represent. You see, the church is made up of people from every walk of life. Jesus told Nicodemus that every person has to be born again to enter into the kingdom. Our natural birth does not place us there. And fourth, you're not a member of the church by association. Assembling with the church, as important and essential as that is, socializing with members of the church, doing things to contribute to the church, well, that doesn't make you a part of the church. I've been acquainted with several people through my years of preaching, wonderful people so far as their uh, intentions and their deeds and their character. Uh, they were so closely associated with the church that you really thought if you didn't know any different that they were a part of the church. They attended its services more faithfully than some actual members. They did many generous and sacrificial things for the good of the church, but they were not actually members of the church. How can that be? Because association, family ties, good deeds, good intentions, well wishes, attending worship, all of those things, none of those things, I should say, make you a member of the church of Christ. You must become part of the church through the means of entrance the Lord appointed. Well, what is that? Well, first of all, the church is made up of the saved, or of baptized believers. The New Testament scriptures are very plain about this, and I want us to look to the Bible and notice carefully what it says. Now, Acts chapter 2 records the beginning of the church of Christ on the day of Pentecost. There were multiplied thousands of people in the city that day from all over the Jewish world because of that important event on the Hebrew calendar. None of these people, save the apostles and relatively few others, were part of the church when it began. They had not yet believed on Christ and been obedient to the gospel. In fact, just 50 days before, many of them had been clamoring for Jesus to be crucified. Now, they may have been religious, but they were lost because they were unbelieving sinners. But the Holy Spirit was poured out upon the apostles, and the events of that hour impressed those who saw it and served as a sign and a fulfillment of prophecy that the kingdom of Christ had finally come. And this provided Peter with the opportunity and the stage upon which to preach and convince those people from the scriptures that Jesus was the promised Christ. By the end of his sermon, they were convicted of that fact, and they were convicted of their sins, and they wanted to know what they had to do to be saved. Now that's the first question that any person who comes to understand who Jesus is and wants to be a member of his church well, that's the first question we need to ask. What must I do to be saved? 
Now Acts chapter 2 and verse 37 says, Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Now look in verse 38. Then Peter said to them, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now notice carefully how Peter responded to the question. He didn't call on them to come and kneel at an altar. He didn't ask them to bow their heads and follow him in praying a prayer. He didn't even say, just ask the Lord to come into your heart and to save you right where you are. No, rather he had reminded them back in verse 21 of what the prophet Joel had said about that day, that it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. But in verse 38, he tells them how they were to call on the name of the Lord. It's the exact same thing Ananias later told Saul to do to call on the name of Christ to save him in Acts chapter 22 verse 16. Here on Pentecost, though, Peter said, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission. That word means forgiveness of your sins. Now then look at their response in verse 41. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. Now, all right, now these people believed what Peter preached about Jesus. They were convicted of their sins, they turned away from their sins and embraced the truth and they were baptized and they were baptized that very day. Now my friend, that's how the Bible shows Christ saving people. And the result was they were added to them that very day. Added to what? Well, look down at verse 47. Praising God and having favor with all the people and the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Well, do you see who was being added to the church? Those being saved. Do you see when they were added? Each day people were being added as they were being saved. Do you see who did the adding? The Lord added to the church those who were being saved. Now what the Bible doesn't say is that the church took a vote to see if converts could be part of the church. The Bible doesn't say that the church added people to their own number. The Bible doesn't say that people were being saved and then later, perhaps at the summer revival or on Baptism Sunday, were joining the church through baptism. All of that's foreign to the Bible. Friend, it doesn't even say that people were joining the church when they were saved. Neither does it say that people were being saved and then choosing a denomination to join. There were no denominations in the church of the New Testament. There was only the Lord's church. And people did not join the Lord's church as a separate transaction after they were saved, but rather the Bible says the Lord added them to the church as they were being saved. Friend, the New Testament church is a body of people who have believed on Christ, repented of their sins, and been baptized to receive the forgiveness of their sins. That's, that's what the Bible says, regardless of what creeds written by men and church bylaws enacted by man might say. Now then, the Bible uses another description of the church and those who are part of it, and that is a body and its members. This was a favorite metaphor of the Apostle Paul in describing the church in Romans, 1 Corinthians, Ephesians, and Colossians. Paul employs these terms referring to the church, sometimes universally, sometimes locally. Now this implies several things about the church and what it means to be part of it. First, it implies that Jesus is the head of the church. Every living body has a head, and Jesus is the head of the church. 
So to be part of the church, not only do we submit to Christ, but we must be connected to Christ. And the Bible says in Galatians 3 and verse 27 that as many as are baptized into Christ put on Christ. Second, it implies a relationship not only to Christ, but a relationship to one another as members of that body. Paul reminded the divided church at Corinth in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 that one part of the body serves a purpose in the context of the whole body. A hand or a foot detached from the body, well, that's a useless piece of dead and decaying flesh. And the same is true of a professing Christian who is not attached and part of the life of the body of Christ, the church. To be a member of the church means more than just being saved from past sins. It implies much more than that. It means living in Christ and that life is enjoyed when we are attached to the body of which Christ is head. Now then, in 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 13, Paul tells us there how we become part of that body. He said, For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one Spirit. Now that's not talking there about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which the apostles received on Pentecost. It's talking about the baptism that we are led to submit to by the teaching of the Holy Spirit in the gospel. As we saw in Acts chapter 2, when the words of the Holy Spirit, which Peter preached, led people to faith in Christ, what was the result? Well, they were immediately baptized for the forgiveness of their sins. And what was the result of that? The Lord added them to the church. Well, Paul reminds the Corinthians that by the Spirit they were baptized into the body of Christ, the one body of Christ. Now in Acts chapter 10, there was still skepticism about whether Gentiles could become members of the church. And you may recall God orchestrated a series of events to convince Peter and other Jewish Christians that Gentiles could be part of the church. And when they beheld those evidences, Peter asked in Acts chapter 10 and verse 4 to 7, Can anyone forbid water that these should not be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit as well as we? Well, by receiving the Holy Spirit, there he was referring to the miraculous signs unique to that occasion that were manifested to show that Gentiles could enter the kingdom on the same terms of faith in Christ as the Jews. It was when they were baptized in water that the Gentiles entered into the body of Christ and became one with Jews in Christ. And then look at another description of those who made up the church found in Acts chapter 11. When Barnabas and Saul spent a year with the church in that city of Antioch, the record says in verse 26, And when he had found him, speaking of Saul, he brought him to Antioch. So it was that for a whole year they assembled with the church and taught a great many people. So they're with the church. And the scripture says the disciples, well, who are the disciples? The church. And the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. Notice the disciples, and that word means learners or pupils of Christ. They received the name Christians, and that word means followers of Jesus. You see, being a member of the church at Antioch was not holding some nominal membership in an organization, but rather was meant to be an active learner and follower in practice of the Lord Jesus Christ. To be a member of the, of the New Testament church today means to be one who is following Jesus and endeavoring to serve Christ with other disciples and to daily live the Christian life. 
through baptism, we enter into the church and having become disciples, we continue to learn of Christ within the church and follow him as his church. Now again, if you look at the Great Commission, as Jesus gave it to his apostles in Matthew chapter 28 and verse 19, notice that he says, Go ye therefore and make disciples of every nation or of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Now watch it now, teaching them who? Those they have made disciples by being baptized. He said, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now how are they to make disciples? Well, by going and preaching the gospel to them, according to Mark's account in Mark 16, verse 15. But what else was involved? He said, make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Then, teaching them to observe the things Christ commanded, the ordinances of the church and of the Christian life. And the point being, baptism was not an ordinance for the Christian, as most religions teach it to be today. Rather, according to the Scripture, baptism was the means of accepting Christ's teaching and becoming a disciple and thus becoming a member of the church. Then one begins to serve Christ in the church and live for Him by being taught and keeping those things that Christ commanded. Baptism is not something that is commanded of the Christian later after he becomes a Christian. Baptism puts him into Christ. Baptism that is predicated upon faith and repentance puts him into Christ and begins that journey. And then he has taught the commandments of Christ to those who are in the church, those who are Christians, and he serves the Lord within the church. Now, does all of that process describe you? Does that describe your conversion? Are you a member of the New Testament church? Friend, there is no greater institution to be part of in all of this world and there never will be. And I hope you will let the Lord add you to that church today by obeying the gospel of Jesus Christ. You don't have to sign a card. You don't have to give some sum of money. You don't have to be from some side of town or some, uh, some, uh, some socioeconomic background. You do not have to be of some sort of a uh, tier of society or segment of society. You simply need to come to Jesus Christ in humble, accepting, obedient faith, turning away from your sins, uh, becoming the disciple of Jesus Christ by being baptized into union with Him and into the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then you'll be a member of His church. And you can gather with the local disciples and serve the Lord and worship the Lord with them. That's God's plan. And that is what the Bible teaches us about the New Testament church. And if you're not a member of it today, I hope you'll become one.
time is gone for today. If you would like a free printed transcript of the lesson today, get in touch with us and we'll send that free copy to you. It's the membership of the New Testament Church. Ask for it by that title and we'll get the transcript on its way as quickly as we can. If you'd like to become a member of the New Testament Church, we would be glad to help you understand more about what the Bible teaches about that. And we would be delighted to assist you in obedience to the gospel upon which the Lord will add you to His church. We hope to hear from you this week. Thanks for joining us for the program. I hope you'll find us online, ltbstv.org and on social media. And be sure to join me back here next time for our next Bible study at the Lord wills. Until then, have a great week and may God richly bless you. Let the Bible Speak is brought to you by The Church of Christ. For more information, including our past broadcast and sermon transcripts, visit ltbstv.org. Thanks for being with us today. Join us next time for Let the Bible Speak.